0: Welcome to Lacrosse and Sport,
1: the podcast for the fastest game on two feet and America's fastest growing sport. Here are your hosts, Roger Welton and Steve Jordan.
0: Hello, lacrosse lovers, and welcome back to another edition of Lacrosse and Sport. Coming to you with my co-host, Steve Jordan from California. My name is Roger Welton. Hello, Steve. Nice to connect with you again.
1: What's up, my brother from another mother, Roger, and hello, lax lovers. It's uh, another beautiful day here in Southern California, coming from you from the Sunshine State. How you feeling?
0: I'm good, man. I'm I'm really good. We are uh, we we've just started fall ball here, which is kind of informal, but of course, you know, in the, this time of year, we're in the very uh, I guess, labor-intensive stages of planning the upcoming spring season. And, um, you know, it's funny. Remember I told you that uh, we used to play rec lacrosse, meaning developmental level lacrosse, in this league called South Florida Youth Lacrosse, S-F-Y-L-L, which is more like way to the south of us. The, The northernmost club was Vero Beach, which is an hour away. But we would go down as far as Martin County, which is Stewart Um, that's 90 minutes away. Jupiter hour and 45 minutes, the Palm beaches, Boca Raton, a little over two hours away to play rec lacrosse. Um, but that's what we had to do because we didn't really have numbers to support, you know, our own space coast rec league, which, which we actually have now. But the reason I bring this up is because I'm still on their mailing list and, there's this big discussion going on in their their plans to transition to this new U.S. lacrosse small ball model uh, for the younger divisions. And, um, you know, we, we kind of touched on it a little bit in the episode – or I'm sorry, in our, in our pre-episode discussions about, uh, you know, the whole new movement of U.S. lacrosse. And they wanted – they gave us two years' notice. And uh, this was based on a lot of research. And – they basically determined that a lot of, a lot of time spent on a regulation lacrosse field for a U9 and even U11 U13 age player was spent running all the time because the field was so disproportionately enormous for them. and uh, as a result they got less touches if they were playing positional lacrosse where you know they played attack or defense where you're only on one side of the field, you may actually get in for a shift and not even see the ball if it doesn't come mm. to your end, which it often doesn't because it's so much ground to cover. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, you know, I, we did have a little pre-discussion on this, and I was uh, unaware of the situation. However, I see the validity to it. I see how it can benefit the game and the player's abilities to actually play the game at a higher level in the future. Because, I mean, look, I mean, if you're running around and you're not handling the ball and or using the ball, what, what good is it? Lacrosse is a game of uh, not just running, being the fastest game on two feet, but it's a game of ball movement and stick skill and, you know, combining all those other uh, attributes. So I think it's really important to be able to have that introduced at a younger level because those are the most impressionable years of a, learn- of a child's learning uh to play sport um and build build skills and coordination and uh neuromuscular connections so i think it's really important i think it's a great idea uh, i think that um you know i've i've seen like i mean you could take a look at let's say like basketball right they lower the basketball hoops for for kids um, and they even sometimes do shorten, a, shorten it up a little bit. You know, um, baseball. You know, they bring in the the outfield. Um, they even shorten up the bases. So I think that this is only this only makes sense.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, Steve. Uh, bringing up baseball. Yeah, you watch like T-ball. You know, their outfield is like basically the the in, the outer infield, right? You know, mm-hmm. where you, normal normally positional players and base runners would be. Um, and, yeah, absolutely, in basketball, I coach my son in basketball. You know, we bring down, I remember when he was in uh, the 5-, 6-year-old division, we brought down the baskets to 8 feet, and um, the free throw line was, you know, just, I don't know, 4 or 5 feet away versus whatever regulation is. That's a really good point, but uh, you recall a video that I showed you. Now, we don't have the equivalent in lacrosse as far as, having done this, but hockey was a great example. And I really believe USA hockey, I feel that U.S. lacrosse is kind of their little brother. And a lot mm. of the things that we see U.S. lacrosse has, has kind of, the direction they've gone in has, I don't want to say mimic, but has been quite similar to the direction hockey's gone in. And hockey's gone very much small ball. But what they with, to sell it to the coaches, because the coaches were giving some pushback, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. The coaches were giving some pushback when USA hockey was going in this direction where they were cutting the rinks in half and then going across ways with smaller goals and getting more touches for the players you know a lot of these coaches that had their younger little tiny ones you know quote unquote do their time and they were ready to play you know full arena lacrosse or I'm sorry hockey you know they had a lot of pushback and say well you're gonna you know stick my kid in this kind of genre of 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 hockey for what another year or two and and there was some pushback not a ton of pushback but there was some pushback so USA lacrosse made this video and the video was a a, a hockey arena that was scaled to be the size of what a regulation sized arena Looks
1: like to an eight-year-old, right?
0: and yeah, they also made the goals proportionately. What did you think of that video?
1: I thought it was hilarious, but I thought it was very well done, very well produced. Yeah. The point that they were getting across was great, and uh, it really drove home that point. I mean, it was hilarious. They got adult-sized individuals playing on this. It was like a. It was like triple the size of a hockey rink. Uh, you couldn't even see the boundaries, uh, and 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 the goal was the size of a looked like a soccer goal. So you know, it I, did. I, it I, did. Like they,
0: the goalie it, had no chance, right?
1: Yeah. So it was. It was interesting, you know. And it was a great piece. I definitely put it in perspective. It made me, you know, have an aha moment and and be able to also see that there are other sports that. Go ahead and and, and change this uh, this model up. Another one um, that you might be familiar with because you're in Florida, the golf uh, world central center of the world really is. Yeah. They've also increased the size of holes, like to the size of like pizza pies, um, <laughs> and it's to smart. keep the game. Yeah, it's to keep the game going because there was a statistic that I saw. I think it was on like Brian Gumble, uh, you know, the HBO special where there's a uh, a, a golf club or a country club closing one per day, and people are just not as involved in golf as they once were. It may seem like they are, but it's also because that it's just such a hard game, or the entry level in the golf is much older. But they want to get more kids involved into it, and so. Um, they've increased the size of the holes and they've shortened up some of the distance on the drives to encourage the younger people um, and or beginners to get involved and and stay and have fun. I mean, nobody just wants to run around. You want to shoot goals. You want to shoot on the goal. You want to, you know, play defense. You want to get the ball. You want to be doing things with the ball. That's the most fun of it. Not running around. That's terrible.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's good to be fit and all, but if that's all you're doing, I mean, you're thinking, what's the point? I might as well run track, right? I mean, yeah. if, if running's all I'm going to be doing, let me do it without all the gear on me, <laughs> you know? Um, totally. So, so here's one thing I'm really proud of, Steve. Um, so, you know, and 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 all thanks to SFYLL, by the way. I don't want to dump on them because if it wasn't for SFYLL, we wouldn't have anybody. To, we wouldn't have had anybody to play, and we were grateful for the trips we took. And there was even some clubs, Jupiter, Martin County, Vero, that did come up to play us. Uh, you know, and not even begrudgingly, they, they they came up to play us, and that was pretty neat. So, you know, it, it's a very well-run league, but, you know, it, it's a very enormous league. You know, lacrosse is a lot bigger in South Florida than it is up here. And so you have some very well-established teams down there. You're even getting some blue-chip players coming out of there that are playing for teams like Ohio State and some, uh, you know, going on to as blue-chip athletes for some of these major universities. So you have this little contingency of these dads and slash coaches that, you know, they exist everywhere. I'm sure we have a couple in our organization, but you know, they 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 think that little Johnny, um, you know, that the whole purpose of this is that he's going to be the next uh, Paul Rabel, you know, or or or, or Matt Cavanaugh or somebody like that, and and that's really the point of all this. And and so I think it's some of those guys that are that are kind of pushing back a little bit on this, but SFYL is just going in this direction. And, Steve, they're doing it tepidly because U.S. Lacrosse recommended doing small ball all the way up to U13, so uh, they're talking about shrinking down the field to two-thirds the size of what a regulation field would be all the way down to uh, U11. And, by the way, the the age brackets have changed as well, so it's no longer – U-9, that division is now 8U. So it's 8 and under versus under 9. It makes the division a little bit younger. Instead of U-7, we have 6U. So it goes 6U, 8U, 10U, 12U, 14U, and that's all of our youth brackets. And so from, uh, let's see, from, yeah, so, so from 10U up, you're looking at a field that's two-thirds regulation size from uh 8U down, we're looking at a field that's even a little bit smaller. I forget the exact dimensions. It escapes me right now. But the bottom line is that, you know, that's that's what they're looking at. And listen to this, Steve. At 6U, they're talking about go 3v3. Three three. So instead of having, you know, they were doing 5v5 five five or 6v6 six six, um, with targets up instead of goalies. But... Even at that, you know, a lot of those boys are not going to get a, or or girls. Let's you because know, we're doing it on both sides. A lot of those kids are not going to get a touch when they're on a given shift, even in that format. Uh, so they're they're saying go three v three, and going three v three, everybody's going to get a touch. You can't avoid it, right? You're going to be fighting for that ball mm-hmm. at some point. And get this, ready? Everybody's a midi, everybody's mm-hmm. a midi.
1: So there's no uh-huh. attack,
0: de- defense, or MIDI, it's everybody's in MIDI, so everybody runs the whole field. What do you think about
1: that? I think it's, I think it's great. Again, you know what? People don't like change. Until yeah. they see it implemented, and then Mrs. Smith, who's on the sideline watching her little son Johnny, who's catching the ball, playing three-on-three, three, scoring a goal for the first time in the two years that he's been playing and all the time and effort that he's put in, Mrs. Smith is going to enjoy that moment, and she's going to be happy that this was implemented. So until it's actually implemented and people start seeing you know, the results and feeling the energy from their kids and the enthusiasm that they have, many of them are going to boohoo it and or be reluctant to take it on and make it a you – know, it's just going to become a part of the system in five years, and no one will ever think back twice about it. So I think it's a great move. I think it's a great move for lacrosse. I'm excited to see how the sport of lacrosse will evolve in – 10 years or eight years, right? When these, you know, now U6s, U8s are experiencing this, touching the ball earlier, what the level of play is going to be like when they're seniors in high school or playing college ball. So that would be exciting.
0: I think we'll be more on par with the Canadians. We know why the Canadians are so good is because they're indoors so much. They've basically been doing 5v5 small ball, you know, Mm -hmm. forever because – this, you know their climate necessitated it so i think we're just going to recreate that thing tighter quarters more touches of the ball um movement in space all the things that you get the benefit from in box lacrosse but i actually lived this a little bit so as i said sfyll is getting pushback already from a few clubs it looks like everybody overwhelmingly is on board and really respecting the governing body they're saying look we have to defer to our governing body They might know a little bit more about this than we do, and let's just give them the credit there. And that is their mandate, and we are a U.S. Lacrosse based league, so we should do what they're asking us to do. Well, at any rate, last year for on the boys side, we actually opted out of SFYLL because we felt that travel was the biggest hindrance to the growth of the sport in our area. You know, at the developmental rec level, we still have our travel teams that you know compete all over the state, but those are the kids that are. Really serious, and the parents that are really serious, and they're willing to do all that travel. But if you're just trying it for the first time, you don't you don't want to spend your whole Saturday, you know, traveling to Jupiter and back, and just blowing your the, the precious few days off you have for your kid to try this new sport that no one's that yet that you never heard of. Um, mm-hmm. So so we decided, okay, with U.S. Lacrosse has threw us a huge bone here, because if we take the small ball model. You know, so like I said, for the six U, it's three v three. For eight U, eleven U, thirteen, uh, so eight U, ten U, and twelve U, it's uh, it's four v four, and still everybody's a midi. And then we're not doing positional until fourteen U, and that's still a smaller field, two thirds size, and you have six v six or seven v seven with goalies. So you'll have two attack, two midis, two defense on the field at any given time. At that mm-hmm. point, those kids are ready for it, right? And the ball is going to yeah. get to either side and whatever. But So we watched the experiment in real time because we said U.S. lacrosse just gave us this huge opportunity to go small ball because we have the numbers to support small ball. And, Steve, we did it. We did it, and the kids loved it. And the parents at first were, like, skeptical. So I actually blasted out that video, that hockey video. Here's why we're going in this direction. You know, just watch this and understand. And hopefully just, you know, just give us the leeway to just try this pilot season and, and, and give it a chance. Well, everybody loved it. Everybody thought it was great. Mm-hmm. But you know who loved it the most? The kids loved it the most. And my little mm-hmm. daughter, who played her first season last spring, she didn't know how she felt about lacrosse. She was like, I don't know. It's fun sometimes. I wish I could play MIDI more. Why did she want to play MIDI more?
1: She wanted to touch the ball. She was always in the action,
0: right? Well, now where everybody's a mm-hmm. MIDI, she was in the 6U division. She's playing 3v3. She's always touching the ball. Guess who absolutely loves lacrosse, unequivocally? Mm-hmm. Scarlett does. Yep. Right? So I saw my little baby almost, you know, she was teeter-tottering. She's like, oh, well, you know, I kind of like lacrosse, and I don't know what else I would do. But, you know, she, I could tell she didn't have the same passion as her older brother, and it was really concerning me because, you know, um – Obviously, I, I have a vested interest in my little girl playing <laughs> lacrosse, but but of course, I don't want her to do something she doesn't love, and, and but now she loves it. Case in point.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly the point that I was making earlier. So, yeah, it's great. I think it's a, a good move, and if you're listening and you are on the fence, give it a shot. Change is hard. Change is challenging sometimes to accept and embrace, but give it some time It's they They put a lot of research and time and thought into this. And, you know, the people who are the decision makers are there for a reason. They're not there to hinder the sport. They're there to grow the sport. So, um, you know, stop being so selfish and thinking that, you know, you're they're damaging the sport and think about, you know, the, the benefit overall for everybody and the future of the game. So that's important to remember
0: no agreed and, and and one of the coolest things that i saw in all the email threads and i didn't chime in you know i just I, it was just interesting to me because i'm still on the threads we do we do have a few girls teams in that league still so we're still part of the league so as president of my club we we um we still uh, i still get the emails and i still have to be very much engaged on the girls side of it um but we do have this girls you know very local rec that we do on wednesdays and we did the small ball thing with the girls and it was an overwhelming success. And then we just said, listen, for the parents that want to travel and want to play Boca Raton and want to play, you know, Stewart and be in the SFYLL League, you have that option too. Your daughters can do both. And, and so we, you know, they, we weren't. Saying, hey, this your only option to have your daughter try lacrosse for the first time is to travel all over the entire east coast of Florida. It was now you can choose to do that if you like to do it, but you don't have to. And we had this little rec season, and it was so much fun. But here's what's really cool: the president of Jupiter is probably the, one of the most proactive, um, I would say, just super impressive guys that I've that I've met. In the course of doing lacrosse in the state of Florida, this guy is always on the cutting edge, and the success of the Jupiter Club cannot be overstated. They are perhaps the largest club, maybe maybe in the entire state of Florida, and and part of the reason is you know they they got this 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 great leadership there. This guy Mike Meyer, they have tremendous respect for him. I hope he's he's listening. Um, he chimed in and he said, "Look, you know, I, at our upcoming meeting, I just I'm going to ask all you guys to just you know bear with this." Uh, this is the direction the league is going. Uh, we, we, you know, uh, we we clearly have more support for it than against it. So for you guys against it, we're not dismissing you, but we hope that you can understand the benefits of this. And I'm going to actually bring this gentleman in, in our organization to explain it to you and why. You know, he was actually involved in the divi- decision-making process. This guy was a former Division One, three-time All-American. He also played in the pros. And he is very involved with U.S. lacrosse and was part of the panel that was basically drawing these conclusions and the in-depth discussions that all went into that. And this gentleman is part of the Jupiter organization now, and he basically is in full support of it. Obviously, he came out of the U.S. lacrosse panel, and he just said, these are the reasons why. So he said, I want you guys to just sit and listen to this gentleman somebody who's played at every level and has nothing but the most uh, honest and passionate interest to grow the game that gave so much to him and he just wants to present this to you guys and I think I think you'll feel a lot better about it you know you, mm-hmm. got, you got a player at that level supporting it it's like you know I think it's going to be hard to argue with it would you agree
1: yeah 100% no I not you know I mean case closed I, I do agree
0: I'd be interested to get um you know some of the – hopefully in the near future you know a little teaser I'm not sure the exact date I don't want to I don't want to uh <laughs> I I I want to <laughs> come through we're going to come through with this but um our friend Mike Marcus Holman who came uh came here to do the camps uh with us last last uh, summer he was unable to attend this summer but uh, the Ohio machine that we talked about last week's episode won the championship Well, uh, we contacted him and he's actually in Europe right now so we weren't able to get an episode with him uh, too quickly after the championship but we're hoping to interview him in the in the near future so a little teaser there but Steve, I'd be interested to what he has to say about it
1: yeah I'm sure he would agree with us I kind of find it hard anybody who really understands this sport how they could argue for it um, or for against it, rather argue against it. Um, I think that anybody with the right sense of, you know, lacrosse sense, even if it's just a, a foundation would really understand the benefit of this. So yeah, it will be cool to go a little bit deeper though. Maybe he has some, some new insights.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, definitely, and I think he came out of Long Island. I'd love to talk to a Canadian about it, you know, because those Canadians come in, and you know, we're always, we're still the redheaded stepchild in lacrosse next to the Canadians. Um, you know, we're, we're, we, we, I think the the U19 U.S. lacrosse team um, took the world championship this year from from Canada, but uh, you know, we're still at the at the at the very top level. Uh, still, so they 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 still they still have our number and. You know those attackmen that come out of there—it's just you—you you can see the box lacrosse background in these guys, and um, I would love the uh, to have the opportunity to to you know take it even further with the small ball and at some point be able to do some fundraising and and get some box lacrosse going on, you know, right here locally as well because I could totally see the benefit
1: there. Hey, yeah, that would be. Did you do That'd be box? fantastic. Yeah, we played box uh, in high school. Um, remember we used to do it. It wasn't, we played in the side of the gymnasium and we played with the, the felt tip, the felt ball. We didn't play with a real ball, but it was indoor. We played in the yeah. winter. Um, and it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was pads, but it was not full contact. Uh, although, you know, we, there was some contact, but it was, I think it was even like eight on eight maybe. And we used the, the small indoor like field hockey goals that they used to use in gym class yeah. I think we used those and yeah, we used I mean, those it was
0: it, in the gymnasium. It wasn't like yeah, a true box lacrosse arena. No,
1: no, it wasn't true, but I mean it was we called it box lacrosse. We did call it and, box. We had box night I, actually, we called it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was great. It was a lot of fun. And we had a good time and you know, it was different and it felt um it felt like it complemented the real sport and, you know, the real play much better. It was better than not playing and it had a better um It just made you more versatile. You know, it's like if you're, uh, you know, if you're a cyclist, you know, you ride road bike or you go, you know, mountain biking, it's you're still riding a bike, but there's a different feel, see and touch. And it just makes you more dynamic and even better. You have a more more understanding, a better understanding of the sport and the game and the skills that go into it.
0: Yeah. You know, I played with a guy in college. His name was Butch. I think you met Butch. Butch Myers. You remember him?
1: Yeah, I do remember Butch. Long
0: Island guy, he's a little crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: well, Butch, uh, he, he did a lot of box. Um, he um, he ended up gravi- – he's a great athlete, played a lot of sports, but then he ended up gravitating towards really just specializing in lacrosse by the time he got to high school, and he did a lot of box. And one of the things about Butch that just always blew my mind, I remember going against him in practice. He's a midi, so I went against him a lot. What blew my mind was that I had him tied up so often. You know, I, got, I had him all tied up, and somehow he would manage to just rip off you know, a great accurate shot or a perfect accurate feed to somebody in the crease or a perfect accurate pass when I'm sitting there just, you know, laying on his hands. And it's just amazing to me how well he could do that. And he attributed a lot of that to his his, his box background. So, you know, I think that in the end, the small ball approach will give us some of that box concept, but um, it's another step in the right direction.
1: Certainly couldn't agree more.
0: Awesome now. and uh, one one thing I wanted to bring up. Do you remember a couple episodes ago when we were talking to uh, Brian, uh, Dr. Brian about uh, you know injury, uh, natural healing, and all, all that stuff. Remember I brought up my groin problem? Yes. That actually originated from indoor lacrosse and then carried over into you know the regular season, like I said, it dogged me season after season. And it all started, we were actually in a box arena because we were snowed. Our um, our stadium that we practiced in was snowed in. It was like one of the worst winters we ever had. I want to say like the winter of like 93 or something. And so my coach had to have the university rent um, uh, arena time in this, in this basically a hockey arena with turf laid down Um in Secaucus, <laughs> and so that's where we went to practice, and that's where my my groin problems first started. Um, I wonder, and I want to get your opinion on this as as a uh, a trainer. Do you think that I'm? Uh, you know, part of me believes it was turf related, but let's take the turf out of it. Do you do you think um, the small ball? Let's say for the older kids, I think for the little ones it won't be an issue, but for the older kids that are going to be in tighter spaces and have to, you know, cut more. Do you think it's going to be tougher on their ankles and groins and knees?
1: Yes, no doubt. Um, Please. please When you have. We we, we, we got it. We got to. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Part of it is, you know, they're doing this is because of that perception that we were talking about earlier with that video and the hockey players. Yeah. You know, things are much bigger when they're smaller, but when you're bigger and space is smaller, it's going to feel much more crowded. With that, the athletic performance has to change. You have to have the ability to decelerate and stabilize when you're cutting or moving in a short tight corner. And that is very challenging for any athlete to do, especially for one that doesn't usually train like that or play like that. And you know, it's uh it's just gonna have a much higher demand. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see more injuries occur. Um it just it just lends itself to that. It's it's almost common sense. So it really you'd have to train, you'd have to prepare, you have to prep uh, coaches and athletic trainers or trainers for teams. Really have to do their due diligence and implement a really great warm up, a great cool down, and some really very specific acceleration, deceleration, change of direction drills. Uh, to get their players more acclimated to those types of moves that they're going to be facing when they're playing in that box approach.
0: You know, that was a completely unplanned part of the discussion. We kind of just went on a well, I kind of went on a tangent there, but I'm so glad we <laughs> we touched on this because, you know, I look at some of these 14 u age kids, Steve, and I mean, you've seen some of them there. Some of them are over six foot. I would say more than half of them are taller than me. Not that I'm that tall, but, you know, they're over 5'8", five, 5'9", five, many of them approaching six foot or taller. Um, I could see how that could present itself as being an issue. So I'm, I'm, I'm so glad we brought that up. I guess that's, that's something we're going to have to address as an organization is, you know, bringing somebody like you hopefully to to address that and, and get these kids primed and ready.
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to do it, and I think it's a very enlightening conversation to have with some some people who can make some decisions.
0: Okay, well, I, I, let's. Uh, I think that's a, that's a that's a great uh, note to wrap it up on. So we, I think we overwhelmingly agree that this is a good direction. I think our one little caveat is at least just for that older bracket, maybe we could be looking at some potential for injury because of the the, the more demanding change of direction and whatnot. Like you said, um, acceleration, deceleration, whatnot. I saw a small ball in action with the little ones. It just gives them a reasonable field. I don't think it's going to be an issue for them whatsoever. They're actually just, they're actually just playing on something that's more appropriate for their little bodies. You know, those little legs, those, those strides don't go nearly as far as a, a man's. So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed talking to you tonight, and we're, we're on a good streak here, Steve. Let's keep it going.
1: Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Join us again next week.
0: Lax on, everybody.